Hello. Hello. All right. <laughs> I know this thing changed. It's weird now. The intro kind of just tags along and it's like, I just want to be part of the show. <laughs> yeah, but it doesn't cut the music anymore. It used to cut it up. Now it plays it all the way through. So there's just going to be the awkward video that just stays. <laughs> it's part of the podcast. <laughs> Alyssa, you're back. Thank you Hi, for coming back. Hi, Alyssa. That was good timing. The name came on right when you were doing the intro. I know. It's all planned. <laughs> Brilliant. Uh, cool. So today we have a bit of a diff- well, different, I don't know if it's different, but uh, topic, but one of them I'm actually interested in, uh, well, I'm, all, I'm interested in all of them, but I'm interested in this one Thanks, too. Bob. Um, <laughs> I imagine. Are you saying you're normally bored, when I'm with Paul, usually I'm bored, but thank God I'm listening to you. Yeah, the show's Keep it interesting. with Paul and Brutal. <laughs> um, so it's how to build a marketing team, which I thought was really interesting because obviously this uh, sales and ops podcast, but you know the, the marketing team is such a critical part of the revenue uh, process <laughs> motion i guess and and so that's why you're here on a regular basis but but ultimately the 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 execution and the quality of the marketing uh happens because of the marketing team and uh and i really found this show the subject proposed interesting because that's and I've, we've all lived that, I think, but, you know, definitely Lisa, this, you've worked in marketing for a while and so have I, um, and I still work with marketing teams. Like we just notice that there's, it's often, you know, not given the importance it should have. I'm trying, I'm trying to find the right word for that. Bob, are um, you trying to be politically correct? What you, what Bob's trying. trying to say is often marketing teams suck. Okay, <laughs> there we go. And yeah, I think it's secondary in yeah. a lot of cases. Yes, exactly. So, um, yeah, let's let's maybe start with that. You know, you said you, it's considered a secondary, and and you're right. I think. I mean, and here we're talking to B two B companies, right? I think if you're, you know, e commerce type of thing, like marketing is probably the only thing you're hiring. But uh, if you're talking about a B two B company, whether it's SaaS or, or more traditional, uh, marketing is often one of the later roles to be brought on. Or what I've seen is like, if it's not one of the later roles, it's often very junior people and that are given kind of the weight of the world on their shoulders, which is like generate leads for like these six reps that we just hired <laughs> and and not really trained. And we could talk about sales training another time, Paul, but um, is that what you're kind of seeing too? That's what you were alluding to when it's kind of secondary? Yeah, yeah, for sure. And yes, you're right. So direct to consumer brands tend to be more marketing centric. Now, I will caveat by saying, as as just a business coach, holistically, I recognize the importance of hierarchy of the different functions of an organization. And despite the fact that I have a history of marketing, I'm not touting it as in any way the most important. Um, no. And it's not. It's truly not. So sales are king. Sales is important. Sales is essential. So building a sales team, first and foremost, in addition to effective operations um, and good leadership is where you want to start. But once companies have that kind of figured out, and especially if they're more B2B, whether it's product or service, so again, not direct to consumer necessarily, they get big enough that they recognize, okay, maybe it would be nice to offload some of this uh, awareness driving and conversion tools, lead generating initiatives onto someone internally who's not the CEO or um, one of the managers or the lead, the sales lead, right? Who often takes on marketing as kind of a secondary pet project. 
um, in a lot of ways. And you're right. It's usually the case of like mid-sized organizations. So you maybe have anywhere from five to like 50 people, let's say. Um, you're focused on production. You're focused on execution. You're focused on sales. And then marketing becomes something that, oh, let's just find someone inexpensive to just execute for us. And yeah. there's two ways that companies do that. They'll one, hand over the entire marketing department to an agency. I'll get to that, just the pitfalls and risks involved in that, but also the nice relationship you can develop if you're on top of it. But often they'll instead, because it's a cheaper option, they'll go to a junior marketing person that they hire. And the real risk there is that you have someone then who doesn't have the ability to strategize or long-term plan or to lead others. And when it comes to marketing, unless that person's a total workhorse, they're going to have to lead others to actually help with the execution in a lot of ways. Or if they're just an executor, they need someone to guide and lead them with strategy. And it's only at kind of an upper management level, I would argue, that you get someone that can tackle both of those things and maintain a sometimes precarious but also vital in relationship between sales too. So as you have to start navigating lead generation and qualification potentially for your sales team, you need to be a pretty high functioning executive to be able to manage that role. And a lot mm -hmm. of players and companies hire too low and they put them in the deep end and they just drown. And then they wonder why. That was a great insight. Um, yeah. Um, so as an SMB, let's say you're an SMB and you're, and you're wondering in your building and, and you're right. I think there's a hierarchy of things and, and people do tend to go, after sales typically before they do marketing but you know in fab's example of you know certain companies will need marketing um without sales if it's if it's something that's inbound and and, and a service that you're buying online um and, and just to come back to the title essentially where do you start like where do you suggest you start? So let's say you say, okay, I've gotten a certain point. Uh, I'm either thinking of outsourcing, keeping it like, what would you say is uh, the, the, the first basic thing that that company who's now delving into, I think we need marketing. Where, where, where should they start? Where, where should they, what's the first thing they should do or, or what's the, yeah. What's the first thing you should do? So I would say the first thing internally is to revisit and or create because a lot of businesses actually don't really have one, uh, an accountability chart. And I use the term accountability chart instead of org chart because I work within the entrepreneurial operating system, usually with clients. And so we refer to it as an, um, as an accountability chart where all of the roles and responsibilities of your organization are clearly defined with particular um, actions that must be accomplished by the person in that role. Um, and, and then you have this clear understanding of what that job actually is. No people attached to it. So I think the first thing, and this is what you do, Paul, obviously with your with your with sales recruiting, is that you need a very defined and clearly understood role where there's a hole in your organization and what that individual who takes on that role needs to do in terms of their priorities and their functions and their capabilities. Um, so once you have the role defined, then you know what caliber and type of person you need to go after finding. Because if you look at the job description, let's say, for lack of a better term, or that particular function in your accountability chart, it would have, let's say, five metrics below it of they need to be able to be strategic. They need to build a plan. They need to be able to help qualify leads with the sales. They need to be able to easily communicate with our sales VP. 
They need to manage a creative team in terms of execution of our top four marketing tactics. If those are all the things that person needs to do, then you can clearly understand like what level of capabilities that individual needs to be at um, who can successfully do that role. And then from there, you have the ability to put out you know, your recruiting efforts uh, and find and hire um, that individual. Okay. Interesting. Very interesting. And um, I guess, go ahead, Fab. I think you had a question and I'll wait because I, 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 I can hog this. The thing that kind of popped up for me and, and maybe we're getting too far off topic, so feel free to <laughs> let me know, but um, you know, I really like this idea of the, the review, let's call it create, because let's be honest, most people don't have an accountability chart, um, is that, you know, and I can see how that would be a challenge for most people, right? Like that's probably the, uh, if you had asked me, that was not the first thing that I would have thought of, which, but it totally makes sense. So, um, and I'm thinking for companies that are, you know, mainly in the SMB, uh, startups, startup world, right? So they're just you know, venture back, a lot of changes, you know, investors require changes very quickly. Um, is that something you would recommend for them as well? You know, and taking that into account, I guess. Yes. In terms of, sorry, can you, what was the question? Well, the question is like a lot of startups. So I, I know smaller companies that have been around for a long time and doing the same thing. That's maybe a little bit easier to fill. Like, but I could understand, I could see how the challenge would be if you are a, a startup and there's a lot of change and a lot of flux in your company gotcha. that, um, yeah. And so how would you, how, how would you find you, that role? How would you work with them or what would you suggest to them? I guess if, if you're in that type of company. Yeah. Well, I still think that even if you're hiring someone, it's because you recognize there's a gap. So either yeah. someone is taking on too much work than they can handle or there's some actions that are not happening or priority priorities in the organization that are falling short because you're lacking either the expertise or the manpower to do it. So even if you have that gap, you're aware of that gap, that gives you enough information, I think, to create a very clear and defined role for your marketing person. Mm -hmm. um, because not only will it affect your, your, your job description in any kind of you know, online recruiting platform in which you're trying to find them um, in terms of a job post. But also once they come onto the organization from a managerial perspective, you need to, as a good manager, make very clear to them what their roles and responsibility actually is. And if it's muddy or gray or unclear or chaotic, you're setting that person up for not necessarily failure, but a difficult time and potentially like a higher likelihood of failure. Fair enough. Yeah, so I would I would challenge even a startup where there's lack of clarity. Um, I would I would hope that that startup still has at least a one year to three year vision of where they want to go with the organization, and they can build an accountability chart that reflects that three year vision. And then they have that person and that role in place. Not even that person, that role in place. And then they find the person accordingly. Yeah. Work charts are key. Gonna... A lot of organizations don't do it. And from a sales perspective, too, I can imagine it would be also incredibly valuable. Um, but but it often gets um, not actually done, surprisingly, by like mid-sized entrepreneurial organizations. And why do you think that is, like in your experience? Uh... I think it's to, pa to Fab's point, they've just been 
been existing and growing and flying by the seat of their pants a little bit by like adding people and taking on roles and wearing a lot of hats. It's somehow mm -hmm. a badge of honor in a lot of ways when you're a startup to wear all the hats. Yeah. But at some point and earlier than later would be advantageous you need to start defining what the real organization is going to look like. And that's where I like the idea of having a three-year plan always and then building your organization or your accountability chart to like, okay, what roles we actually need in the organization to achieve this growth target of $40 million in three years, right? Mm. Who need, what do we need to be doing and what kind of roles need to be existing in the company for us to operate at that level? Yeah, and, and again, I think, and maybe that's that's not part of a of an accountability chart, but you know I think it's also you know, understanding your strengths and weaknesses within there. You know you mentioned kind of the CEOs and founders or co-founders and like kind of their often their inability to really help coach and mentor and train a younger person and have a strategic vision when it comes to marketing. Um, so I think it's also maybe forces you to be a bit more honest with what you are actually able to do and not able to do. Right? Is that Totally. Is that fair and to say? When you think about in the in relationship to sales too, I mean, there's often muddied waters and a blame game that happens between two siloed divisions of an organization being sales and marketing. So even if those are just two people, sometimes you get the butting heads between, well, that's your job. No, that's your job. No, that's your job. Right. And so when there is real clarity for both individuals leading those departments um, and what each is responsible for and discussions had as a transparent organization about, okay, what are you going to take on? What are we going to take on as a team? Um, you're just setting both your people up for success and you're setting up your entire customer journey experience from lead gen through sales, through, um, you know, actual execution of whatever project or production is to, what do you call it? What's the HubSpot term for afterwards? Fab, I forget the proper HubSpot term. For after the sale, you mean? Yeah. Not yeah, after the sale, but like after you're done the project with them for resale or follow-up or yeah i mean i mean obviously we could call it whatever we want yeah growth right? growth expansion retention depending on your business yeah uh, usually you'll go through some sort of a growth motion where you try to grow that account yeah and then expansion or upsell or renewal again yeah. depending on how your business model works after that yeah and that has to be a kind of a team effort in a lot of ways yeah. right like there could be marketing input even at that stage when one could argue marketing just as lead gen so if if you've got two people or three people doing those jobs, you want to make sure everyone knows, you know, what they're responsible for really clearly. Cause, cause if it's too messy, no one will do it. And then everyone just gets unhappy and fights. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Fair enough. Paul, you've been very quiet and I know you wanted to say something before. Well, one thing, <laughs> one thing that I'm, I'm wondering, and it sort of falls back to what we said or, or originally is that, you know, we often, divide marketing and sales and we categorize things but you know i think in this whole conversation and you're saying you're i think you're saying this with the accountability chart is like what what are the objectives of the business and how is marketing going to help me achieve that objective and so i love the idea of how to build the marketing uh team but really what 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 are the objectives we're trying to achieve and how is the marketing team going to help me go get there and i think you know you, you can't you can't separate that from marketing and sales. So that's, that's to me where I think they're really interleaved, you know? Yeah. 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 And, and, you know, one thing that I'll say, and I probably should have said it earlier because it's related to what we said in the intro, but it's just popped up and, and, you know, you hear this from a lot of 
you know, obviously it's self-fulfilling statement, but more senior marketing executives that have worked at startups. And, you know, I think it's one of the more, the roles that you need to hire sooner than you think you do. Uh, you know, a lot of times, like you were saying, Alyssa, like we, we wait until like, there's clearly a gap and somebody's doing too much and, uh, or their sales are not getting enough leads. And what you're doing there is you're also setting up your marketing person to fail, right? Cause when there's usually a gap in the organization, i.e. sales aren't getting enough leads. I mean, it's almost impossible for a marketing person to come in, understand everything, you know, like build up a whole lead you know, generation or demand generation process and feed the sales team at the exact same moment because we need it now, not yesterday, or if not yesterday. Um, so I think this accountability chart, which I'm really starting to like the idea of, but is, um, is something you should probably do before you even think you need it and before you need to start hiring anybody, like, i.e. every time you have a hire, I mean, we're talking about marketing now, but I think it would allow you to maybe justify to yourself or to your investors or whoever that you need to hire marketing sooner rather than later. And I would definitely not wait <laughs> until there's a need because that's already too late. You're, you're pretty much setting up your person to fail. Right. And then yeah. you get into these. And I remember Paul and I had a show a long, long time ago, but that's where you end up with these murky marketing tactics of buying lists and, and spamming people and all that, just because you're trying to get something to move the needle super quickly. And totally. then it's a vicious, vicious cycle. So I just want yeah. to add that in. And sometimes oh. when you have like a mid-sized organization too, where the founders or co-founders or whatever they might be termed um, are still wearing a lot of hats. So they're, you know, they're the leader, they're the, they're the GM or CEO, but they're often also the lead of sales and maybe even the leads of ops. Maybe they have an ops person, but they had a finance, they're head of finance, right? And so one thing you can do too in the way the accountability chart helps from a leadership perspective as an owner of a company yourself, you can figure out, okay, what are the aspects of my job as sales and marketing VP when I wear that hat that I don't want to do anymore? And what am I still going to maintain responsibility for? So then you can realize, okay, I could hire a junior person if what I need them to do was my social media posts and, um, you know, email marketing, but I recognize it in my job description as the VP of sales and marketing, I still need to do the strategy. I still need to provide them with creative content. I still need to manage the agency relationship. Um, so then you have a clear understanding that no, no, I still have to like do a bit of this job if I'm choosing to hire a more junior person. And then that junior person is supported and you have full transparency of, you know, what you still need to do as a leader versus just passing it all off with unclear expectations. Um, and the other add to that too, which I realized I dropped off, but mentioned I'd circle back to is mm -hmm. sometimes as well, an organization has passed off their entire marketing department in a lot of ways to an agency partner. And this is sometimes very economical, you know, agency partners are fantastic combinations because they can execute and they can help with strategy. But one of the things that can be hard for a person coming on as an internal marketing lead in that experience is that you have a team of people who have been running a department. And you suddenly come in and as their new boss, right? Mm -hmm. So they've been like left to their own devices, getting paid happily, very little like, you know, monitoring or viewing probably because the CEO and the founder of the organization has other things to do. So they've just passed off that whole part of their business to an agency partner. And then all of a sudden you come in as this mid, mid level to junior internal marketing person who has to like lead, manage, technically be the boss of. Mm -hmm this company and mm. 
it can be a very daunting and very difficult role. And you're also setting someone up for, you know, failure in that regard too. Um, so I've seen that happen as well. And uh, so it's, it is precarious. Yeah. And you see that a lot. I've seen it. I haven't seen it as much as a full fledged, like everything getting done by, by advertising, by an agency, sorry. But um, I've definitely seen it a lot on the content space, like where we'll hire a content agency and then you have a junior marketing come and they have no way of really understanding, right? They're still junior understanding whether this content is actually good. Right. And like you said, this agency is just getting paid per post or whatever yeah. and not really mindful of, of these results. Yeah. And so then you are setting up this person for failure because at the end of the day, this new junior person you've hired is the one who will have to report on numbers that they don't impact at all and they don't have the experience to help guide and change and, and restructure. And, and on that note, I'll see that often, and it usually comes to cost-saving uh, reasoning, is that we're not hiring an agency for the right things you know what i mean like so basically we'll oh well we'll do like our google ads and our facebook ads in-house because like the the agencies are too expensive but you know we'll uh you know we'll hire like an agency to uh rebuild like a website you know but we don't know why right and so they're like we're just well maybe the budget should have gone towards an agency to manage the ads because they actually know what they're doing and you have to have a a valid way to track their success. But that's that's another thing that I've seen. It's like sometimes it's just the decisions are purely budget as opposed to, again, this accountability thing where the actual, well, the need may actually be. Yes. Yeah. It's, it's managing a business relationship when you get into um, hiring and working with an agency partner because they have a vested interest too, right? Like they need to run a successful business. They need to make a profit. They want to do the best they can for you, but also if making a new website gets them more profit and is more profitable for them than doing some other job, they're going to probably propose that potentially yeah. in your marketing plan. Right. And that makes sense. It will serve you well, but it also serves them well too. So you need someone who's capable to have the business's interest truly at heart, which in turn is serves them well as a successful marketer within that organization um, and be able to call that out amongst a partner who you're hiring, who, you know, it's their own business in their own right with their own vested interest and, and uh, you know, agendas in some ways. Cool. All right. So we've created our accountability chart. We kind of know, first of all, we also accepted that we need to hire a marketing person sooner than we think we need to have one. Uh, we have a clear understanding of what they want. We realize that there's an agency role maybe at, at play here to take into account. What's, what's kind of the next step in your experience? Yeah, then it's a matter of making sure that, well, Fab can offer even more, or sorry, Paul can offer even more insight here, but in terms of the actual recruiting process, um, you know, you're going about the right way of setting yourself up um, to find the best candidate out there. You really want a good number of individuals that you can truly vet through a number of different interview experiences, right, to really get a sense of who that person is. Um, you want to ask the right questions. And again, in order to ask the right questions, you need to know what this person will be doing, a very clear understanding of what this person must deliver and do in your organization. Um, and so if you have that combined with this, you know, nice 
interpersonal experience with someone, ideally you find a nice fit. And there's always the outliers who turn out to be, you know, the opposite direction that you could not foresee. But ideally you get someone who's great and feels like a fit. And then you need to really set them up for success within the organization as well. And from a marketing perspective, and I won't talk generically about onboarding um, necessarily, but I think from a marketing perspective, it's really important for a marketer to have a good understanding of what has worked in the past, what is failing right now, um, and what you currently have in terms of your general positioning and lead gen efforts out there in the world. But really getting a holistic understanding and having a, an owner do that research in advance or whoever is the person steering the ship at the time when that person is hired, giving them a general lay of the land, like a true honest assessment of the current situation um, so that that marketer can use their own brain to do an appropriate audit and then course correct as need be. Because ideally you're hiring them to course correct in some way, right? Because if yeah. if the course was running smooth, you wouldn't need that person. So, um, so it's, it's onboarding them with a lot of valuable information to allow them to use their expert brain and you need to be open to their their suggestions and their changes as well. You, you said something there that I think is key, and particularly in marketing, is you've got to be very specific on the KPIs or the objectives, why you're hiring them. And, you know, are, are do you want SQL? Do you want lead generation for sales qualified leads? Do you want MQL, marketing qualified leads? Do, are you looking for someone to do more branding? And I know that, you know, there's a lot of murky waters there, but you've got to be very specific with the expectations of what you're looking for so that when you fill out your scorecard to use the EO methodology, they know exactly what it is that will be expected of them. And mm -hmm. it can't be fluffy and, 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 you know, undefined. And then so that six months later, the, their boss says, Hey, you didn't achieve your objectives. What do you mean? I did this, I did that. You know, so you yeah. want to be very uh, specific and, and, and tactical with what they need to achieve directly. And, uh, you know, for me, the big mistake that a lot of people say is, well, I want, you know, marketing to give me leads that are going to close. Uh, <laughs> you know, if they're not in charge of the leads are going to close, you know, you're setting them up for potential failure because they're dependent on the sales team. Yeah, so yeah. how to find these people, you know, and, and you know, Alyssa and I spoke about this week, you know, in your rec recruitment methodology, which I didn't invent, but I stole from a whole bunch of different people or I acquired from a whole bunch of different people or I learned from a whole bunch of different people is, you know, have a good filter right from the start with an evaluation, have a very concise um, questions that you ask to onboard the right people and then dig down into their capabilities. But the first thing you need to establish is what am I looking for specifically? And if you're just willy nilly, well, I'll know when I find it. Yeah. No, no. I mean, that's, that's such a great insight, Paul, because it's like, you know, having worked in marketing my whole career until I became more of a admin ops person. Uh, well, both of you worked more marketing before. Yeah, but that's how I always talk about my own experience is that that's what happens, right? Especially in start startups is that, you know, they want everything, right? And finding that marketer that can actually do everything is, is I'll say, impossible. Uh, and usually when you want lead generation is that it's too late. It's just that your salespeople don't have, are saying they don't have a big enough pipeline. Um, but I've also seen marketers being hired um, for the wrong reasons, right? Because they were good at, they did good in the interview and they, 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 they were likable, so to speak. And, but in the end, their priorities and their approaches were so different than what the business needed at the time. Um, 
you know, and I have obviously my hat on and <laughs> my perspective on what's a priority for a company, but, um, you know, like, I think it's important that you have a very crystal clear idea. Like if you're, if you feel you need branding, like, and you're hiring somebody who's good at branding, like you have to steer away from like, Hey, we've got no leads coming in. I'm like, well, that's not what you asked me to do. And if that's what you asking me to do, then your branding has to be very purpose driven and, and that's maybe not the right person. So yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, that's critical. But, but exactly. And if you're hiring someone junior or you're starting off from the beginning, well then you've, again, you got to be even more specific about what you need. But yeah, to me though, one thing I will say, and, and I, I don't know if you guys agree, but to me, marketing uh, sales is an extension of marketing and marketing is an extension of sales. So they, they go together. You can't really separate them, you know, at that point, like uh, muscle and tendon, like they go together to a certain extent. And and if you try to look at them in, in a separate world, I, I don't know, maybe maybe it's too philosophical, but I, I, I just need I think you need to look at it as a holistic approach of how these things are going to work together. And you're right, Fab. And I think I, I I've seen that too, where, oh, this guy's going to be really good. And, you know, well, he's just going to do marketing and you, you know, he's done well in the past. And, and then suddenly, you know, six months in or a year in, well, we're not getting the results we want. Well, what are those results? What are the KPIs? And what, why in your interview process were you not specific about that so that you could ask questions to those exact ends, right? And then, then you can know exactly what they're going to do. And then you can also decide, well, do I want to spend all day with Alyssa and Fab as my marketing people, you know? Yeah. Do I get along with them? That, but that's, I don't want to say it's secondary, but you've got to make sure first that they have the qualities to be able to do the job. And then then you look for the fit with the company. Can we communicate? Can we, can, can yeah. we, can we have a conversation? We speak the same language. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, and I think they need to, especially on a marketing level. I mean, I guess for any, I mean, I only work with with revenue focused teams, but you know, like with any team member, you need to have make sure that they also fit within your company philosophy. I would see would be important, right? If somebody's very gung ho into branding and like, hey, we're going to be all you know all out there, and our website's going to be amazing, and and so on and so forth, and you're like a pure data person and you just want raw numbers and raw leads coming in because you have a whole great sales process lined up afterwards, uh, you know, yeah, you might like Alyssa or Fab, but they're clearly not the right fit if yeah. their philosophy is very different than what you need. Um, yeah. so Sorry. I think we're all saying the same thing, essentially, is be, and, and I think, you know, uh, Alyssa is using the EO method, the traction <laughs> method, and what we're all saying the same thing is you got to be really structured in what you're looking for before you start looking for someone. Yes. Well, and I'll caveat too with that in that in the same way, there's different types of salespeople, as we've talked about, and I'm sure you guys have too. There are different types of marketing people too. And I think there's a certain type of marketer now, having worked with a lot of midsize organizations, independently owned, relatively small-ish. Um, you can go with a marketer who's from a big Fortune 500, right? So like what I used to do at Unilever, creative marketers who manage large agency teams and their job is just purely awareness like messaging out to the abyss to let the humans on planet earth know how amazing their product is right and that is just a general like get attention be creative um be be dynamic and and it's very creative it's very uh you know visionary and 
kind of outside the box and you're just meant to drive, drive awareness. And you get measured by, you know, your Nielsen data and number of eyeballs and views on ads. Um, there's lots of metrics to show that. Now, debatable whether that translates into sales. Ideally it does, but there isn't that exact metric. Like ideally yeah. as a marketing person, your job is to come up with amazing creative campaigns that like get lots of visibility, maybe click throughs, but we're not directly correlating that to any to anything mm -hmm. totally. I mean, it takes a while to get the trickle back to like, is it selling at Walmart? I don't yeah. know. Um, <laughs> But then from a mid-sized organization, I think it's really important to find a marketer um, who's to some degree analytical, so who can look at actual mind data within the organization of how sales have gone and how execution tactics have resulted, because you have that closer connection. But I think in some ways, it has to be a fairly more sales-minded marketer than a visionary creative marketer. And I mm -hmm. think those are different beasts in some ways, too. And when you're hiring a, a, for a mid-sized organization, I think a marketer that works best for you would be someone who understands sales, truly, like has a sense of what selling entails and how they can then turn that into more awareness-driving messaging that truly correlates back to tangible um, sales. Yeah. Yeah. Can um, I challenge you on that? <laughs> Yeah, sure. Uh, go ahead. <laughs> um, well, what if that mid-sized company just wants to brand it first and doesn't is not looking at sales? Maybe they want to build a brand. They want to get known. They have a lot of funding, and they're I don't know. They're uh, they're a guitar company, and they're like, okay, we're our marketing at first. You know, we have our sales guys talking. We have our reps talking to stores. We're happy with that. But now we want to sort of develop a new market, and we're we just want to be seen as like that cool guitar company that uses. Um, Yes. Sorry. I should have caveat that I was thinking more of a B2B relationship. Okay. You're right. When it comes yeah. to, um, and that's why it's good to know the, the difference. So that's great. Thank you, Paul. Cause that, that is why it's important to know the difference. So do you want the visionary creative who may not necessarily have their amazing, beautiful, fun campaigns correlate directly, or are you more egalitarian from a B2B perspective where I want these um, email marketing to be really strategic. I want it to yeah. go to these particular past clients. I want it to say the right things. And I want it literally to drive into my salesperson's inbox with a qualification thing. Yeah. Yeah. So it's two different marketing people you're looking for. So if you're looking for that person in a B2B, um, let's see, service or even product relationship, and they're doing like, ah, oh, but it's so beautiful. Look at this creative piece. And the salespeople are like, I don't, I don't care how good my aluminum part looks. Like, I need you to actually sell the the you know engineering behind it, and I need you to yeah, like yeah, yeah, communicate yeah. the product so that I can actually in turn that into a sales call. Or you're right, do you want that guitar company that needs to drive awareness? They have pretty good presence in retail, and now they just need people driven to store. They want you know Ryan Reynolds to play it tomorrow. Like <laughs> Ryan Reynolds fan, just he seems like a a theme in our podcast, right? Do you want him to be playing on Instagram? If that's yes, then you need that visionary person. Yeah. Um, so you're oh, cool. sorry. Thanks. You're right, Paul. But I, I feel okay, like at least who I work with a lot of times, they need a marketer that can um, really understand sales and be a nice partner to sales in a lot of okay. ways. Yeah. Cool. cool. Great. I mean, Paul, I know you have a hard stop. So I think, unfortunately, we'll have to summarize it. There's so much more to say here. But I mean, my biggest takeaway is that you need to have a clear vision and understanding of what you're looking for. Uh, but I think on the last point is you need to have a marketer that fits your philosophy, right? Like if, if your philosophy is to be out there and you believe in branding and you believe that branding is what is going to drive sales at the end of the day and you're kind of doing a Hail Mary and, and, and hoping it'll happen, then great. 
if you're not, if you're very analytical, tactical, and your sales team want leads and you need somebody to be able to, to deliver on that. I think, you know, whether you're in B2B or B2C, some industries are more one or the other, but generally speaking, they have to fit your your philosophy. Those are my two takeaways. Philosophy, philosophy and your needs. Here. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Philosophy and needs. That's what yeah. it boils down to. <laughs> totally. Cool. So have a growth vision and have an accountability chart. <laughs> yeah. Nice. Awesome. Perfect. You're awesome. like a queen now. I love it, man. You just like, you, you absorb it. You live it. You, you breathe it. It's you. I love it. <laughs> cool. Thank you. All right, Paul, Lisa, thank you so much. Take care. Bye, guys. Bye, Bye. everyone. Thanks for joining.